You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Just like Daniel, he would bring glory to God. What do you need to purpose in your heart? What do you need to settle in your heart and make a determination and resolve in your heart that will bring glory to God? I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. I don't know what it is. I know what, for me, what I have to do, the things I need to purpose in my heart to continue. But maybe the Lord's showing you something that you need to purpose in your heart. Maybe it's not following the gang as much. As you listen to today's message with Pastor Dave, you'll be challenged to look inward. Is there something in your life that you need to change? Is there something within your heart that needs to be settled and placed before the Lord? If so, then place it before the Lord and trust Him with whatever that thing is. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Kings chapter 5 as he begins his message, Fulfilling David's Dream. First Kings chapter 5. So if you will turn into your Bibles to First Kings chapter 5. As we study through the Bible line by line, verse upon verse, precept upon precept, and as we learn more of God and what He wants from us, and as we see these examples of godly people and ungodly people, but as we see these examples of ordinary people that God chose... Ordinary people that God chose, and then he did extraordinary things through them as they yielded to the Holy Spirit and allowed the Spirit to move in their lives. We've been following along now for the last several chapters in the life of Solomon, David's son by Bathsheba, who has now taken over the reign of the kingdom of Israel, and he is king. So we've been reading along with that, and it's really a cool thing. Get involved in what God is saying. Listen to him. Let him speak to you. When he wants to speak, say, here I am, Lord, speak to me. And I guarantee he's going to speak volumes to you. So all through First and Second Kings, we found out that David was a passionate man. David was an extremely passionate man. And he had several passions. He had a passion about his family. We know from our studies that he was doting over his children, in fact, to the point of not really disciplining them well. But he loved his family. David was passionate about his country, the nation Israel. He wanted to see the nation Israel be on top of the world. He wanted to see the nation Israel defeat all their enemies. And he wanted to see the nation Israel live in peace and comfort. And he accomplished this through the help of the Lord. He accomplished it. He was passionate about defeating Israel's enemies. But the main passion of David's life, the main passion of David's life was his relationship with the Lord God Jehovah. That was his main passion. Serving him was David's delight, and it was his passion. And when you look at the Psalms that and the songs that were written by David, you can see this passion as it comes out. And what struck me particularly is Psalm 37 when it says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. 
The Lord will give you the desires of your heart as we delight ourselves in him. David was passionate about the Lord, and the Lord knew this. He recognized David's passion. He recognized his passion, and even saying that David was a man after his own heart. Imagine God saying to you, you're a man or a woman after my own heart. What a beautiful, beautiful comment from God. The Lord knew David's passionate heart. And one of David's greatest passions, one of David's greatest dreams was to build a house for the Lord. David wanted to do that more than anything that he could think of that was on his list. He wanted to build a house for the Lord. This was David's greatest dream, his greatest desire. In fact, in Psalm 27, verse 4, he writes this very thing. Listen to these words. I love these words. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. Beautiful words. You can hear David's passion that he wants to build the house of the Lord. But we know from our studies that the Lord had other plans. The Lord had other plans. Because of David's bloody hands, calloused by years and years of wars, defending Israel from her enemies and her neighbors and the threats, David was not allowed to build the Lord's house. He was, however, allowed to collect the material for the Lord's house, which he did, and we'll get to that when we get to Chronicles. We see David collecting materials for the Lord's house. But instead of David, the Lord chose a man of peace, David's son, Solomon. He would build the temple to the Lord. And although David would gather much of the material, the main task of building it would fall on the shoulders of Solomon. And by doing so, he would fulfill David's dream. David's son Solomon would fulfill David's dream of having a beautiful, beautiful house for the Lord. As we studied chapters 1 through 4, we found out that the Lord gave Solomon great wisdom and knowledge. What would you like? What shall you ask for? And Solomon said, that I might have wisdom and understanding, that I might rule your people with that heart. The Lord was so taken back by that, that he gave him this wisdom and this knowledge, plus so many other things. His wisdom was so great, his knowledge was so powerful, that others from around him, nations of the earth, if you look at 34 of chapter 4, and the men of all nations from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. So his wisdom was renowned all over the world, and people came and traveled from far places just to hear Solomon speak and to get a glimpse and reaction of his wisdom. Now Solomon would take this great wisdom, he would take this great knowledge then, and he would apply it to become the master builder. And this was the task that was before Solomon at this time, and this is where we are in 1 Kings. Solomon is going to start to prepare to build this house. He's going to make all preparations to build this house because he knows it's a daunting task. And he knows several things about it. He also knows that we'll find out in a little while that he can't do it without the Lord. He knows that he's helpless to build this house without the Lord. So let's read verses 1 through 6 in 1 Kings chapter 5. 
Now Hiram, king of Tyre, sent his servants to Solomon because he heard that they had anointed him king in place of his father, for Hiram had always loved David. Then Solomon sent to Hiram, saying, You know how my father David could not build a house for the name of the Lord, his God, because of the wars which were fought against on every side, until the Lord put his foes under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor evil occurrence. And behold, I propose to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. As the Lord spoke to my father, David, saying, Your son, whom I will set on your throne in your place, he shall build a house for my name. Now therefore command that they cut down cedars for me from Lebanon, and my servants will be with your servants, and I will pay you wages for your servants according to whatever you say. For you know there is none among us who has the skill to cut timber like the Sidonians. So Solomon is visited by the servants from Tyre. The king, King Hiram, sends them there. He had heard that now Solomon was on the throne And he basically sent these servants to congratulate Solomon. It was an offer of peace. It was an offer of royalty saying, hi, welcome to the club. These guys came and they probably brought treasures. They probably bought gifts that they laid before the king. So it was kind of a welcome, welcome to the club. It seems that King Hiram and David were very good friends. I love the fact where it says Hiram always loved David. Well, we know from the past that David really was a man of grace, bestowing grace upon Saul's family, bestowing grace upon those who've done him wrong. He always bestowed grace. He always erred on the side of grace because some of those he showed grace to took advantage of him, which happens when the Lord shows us grace. When the Lord shows us grace, sometimes we take advantage of that grace. And, you know, the Lord is not slack in his promises, Whatever a man sows, that will he reap. But we seem to forget those kind of things. But David showed grace to all his neighbors. Hiram always loved David. If you remember in 2 Samuel 5.11, which it's okay if you don't, David had gotten materials from Hiram to build his own house, his palace. He had already received materials from Hiram to build this place. And according to 1 Chronicles 22.4, King Hiram had helped David in preparing wood for the temple. So it was already going on. So what does this tell me? This tells me that his son Solomon was benefiting from David's advanced groundwork. Solomon was benefiting from many things that David had accomplished. Number one, there was no enemies. There was absolutely no enemies around. No adversaries. And you just see the words, no evil occurrence. I mean... That's fantastic. And does anybody know anything about the end times that would lead you to believe that if you heard this today, it would be an exciting note? Two words that come to mind, peace and safety. For the Lord says, when you hear of peace and safety, be ready. Be ready. So I'm always excited when there is a new peace treaty in Israel, and I always want to open up the paper and read the words peace and safety and think, all right, here we go, this is it. We're soon passing up to the Lord. But everything around him was in peace and safety. They were tranquil times. Everything had taken care of. David had done advanced work. 
He's benefiting from them. This royal friendship that David had with the king was now helping Solomon. It was helping him to do these things. It's interesting to me that Solomon makes mention that his father David could not build the house for the Lord because of the many wars he fought. So it seems that David and Hiram discussed this. It's as if, because you know, look at that. He says, you know that my father can't build a house because of the many wars. So David must have discussed this with Hiram, saying, I'm gathering all these things. I'm not allowed to build a house. The Lord won't let me, but I'm gathering all these things. So he must have known. It seems that he has discussed this building of the temple with Hiram. But there's one word that stuck out to me, one word that I want to pause on for a minute that I like to do, and that is the word in verse 5. It's the word propose. The word propose. Solomon says, I propose to build a house for the name of the Lord my God. Solomon proposed to do this. If you go to the original King James, it's a different word. The word in the original King James is purpose. And there's a different meaning to each one. And let me hang in there with me a minute. Let me try to explain When you propose something, you put forward a plan or an intention. Now, we know a proposal is an intent to marry, all right? But if you have a proposal in a business sense, you're putting forth a plan for the business or for something to happen. It's a proposal. You say, I plan on this. This is like what I want to do. But when you purpose something, when you purpose something, you do it with resolve and determination. Now, hold on, follow me here. In Daniel, in Daniel 1, verse 8, Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were taken from Israel, and they were put into the palace of King Nebuchadnezzar. And they were there in the king's palace. And they were going to be trained in all the way of the Chaldeans, in their language, in their ways. And the one thing they did was they brought out all this food. They were called delicacies of the king. All these things. The scripture says in chapter 1, verse 8, that Daniel purposed in his heart not to defile himself before the Lord. In other words, Daniel made a resolve He made a determination that he was not going to defile himself by eating these delicacies that were brought forth because 90% of these delicacies were against the Levitical law. So Daniel said, no, I'm not going to do that. He had resolve. He had determination. And he makes a deal with the chief eunuch and says, listen, feed the other ones all you want and let me eat what I'm supposed to eat according to my law. And if my if things haven't changed in 10 days or so, then I'll eat of the king's delicacies. Well, Daniel stuck to his purpose. He ate the things according to the Levitical law. And when the end of the time was come, I'm saying 10 days, I'm not really sure how long it was, but it was a period of time. At the end of that time, Daniel's countenance was better than everybody's. Daniel's countenance shone to the point where They threw away the king delicacy and started feeding everybody these food. But the point that enamors me, and the point that I always teach upon, he purposed in his heart. He purposed in his heart that he wouldn't defile himself. He made a resolve. He made a determination that he wouldn't do this. And I always, I used to, I taught this several times over at Cape 
Christian Academy. When I was talking to the kids over there, I would use this verse. And I would say, Daniel is so far away from home. He could do anything he wanted to. Who would know? Who would know? Well, Daniel knew that the Lord would know. Daniel knew that the Lord was watching him. So Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself before the Lord. Okay, bring it where we are now. Solomon purposed in his heart to build this house for the Lord. He was determined to build it. He had resolved that he would build it. So therefore, I like the word purpose in original King James better than the word propose in the new King James. You get my point here, hopefully. Why? Just like Daniel, Solomon knew that if he had that purpose and had that resolve and determination, he would bring glory to God. Just like Daniel, he would bring glory to God. What do you need to purpose in your heart? What do you need to settle in your heart and make a determination and resolve in your heart that will bring glory to God? I don't know. That's between you and the Lord. I don't know what it is. I know what, for me, what I have to do and the things I need to purpose in my heart to continue. But maybe the Lord's showing you something that you need to purpose in your heart. Maybe it's not following the gang as much. Maybe you need to cut ties with some friends who have been dragging you down or pulling you under. Maybe you need to make some resolve and some determination that I'm not going to do those things anymore. I'm not going to defile myself in front of the Lord. I'm going to follow the Lord with all my heart and make that determination and purpose in your heart that you're going to do that. I don't know. But I suggest that you sit before the Lord and let him show you. Let him show you what you need to purpose in your heart. That's what I see happening here. Solomon purposed in his heart. One commentator said this, quote, anything you do of significance in your life begins when you get to the place of purposing in your heart. You want to do something for the Lord? Purpose in your heart. They do that. Purpose in your heart. Solomon knew that building the temple, the house of the Lord, was his father's greatest dream. He knew it was his father's greatest passion. He also knew that the Lord had anointed him to build that. Because he said, your son, whom I will set on the throne in your place, he shall build a house in my name. Very interesting. And this is another aside. Reading these things, I, I, it's really neat. It's interesting to me that when God chooses you to do something, he will have everything in place and he will be your strength when accomplishing it. God calls you to do something. He prepares you. And then everything will happen according to his plan. He will have everything in place. He had David have everything ready to go, and all Solomon had to do was walk in and start getting things together. God had already done that. He was called David. My next example is Moses. God gave Moses a huge task. He had to build a tabernacle in the wilderness. He had to build a tabernacle in the wilderness. And do you know that all of the stuff that they took out of Egypt, all the spoils that they took out of Egypt, came in real handy when they started to build that tabernacle. God had them take all those things. See, God knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing when he calls you to do something. He knows what he's doing, and he's going to stack up those things so that it happens perfectly. When we're given a specific task, know that the Lord would do it, just like he chose Moses and just like he chose Solomon. Solomon is going to build the temple according to God's specifications, just like Moses had to build the tabernacle according to God's specifications. Solomon is directed by the Lord, and the Lord enables Solomon to be successful. 
Again, God calls you to do something, purpose in your heart that you're going to do it according to God's way, not your way, according to God's way. Give God the reins of your life. Let him move you and lead you as you do these things and watch how successful you'll be. Watch God move mightily in your life and do wonders in your life and allow him to show you how successful you'll be. Why? It's something that we've thrown around here many, many times, and you'll never, you might get tired of hearing it, but I'll never get tired of saying it. Where God guides, He provides. If God is not guiding, He's not providing. Where God guides, He provides. He provides people, He's gonna provide people to do the work. He's going to buy the stuff for the the stones. He's going to buy the timber. He's even going to apply the finances to get it all done. It's interesting because one of my favorite psalms is Psalm 127. It's a fantastic psalm because it means so much to me. But it applies here. It applies here. So we need to look at Psalm 127. 127. Now, it's interesting that this psalm... They don't know who wrote it. It's a song of accents of Solomon. They believe that Solomon might have written this psalm, and they also think that David could have written it for Solomon. So we're not really 100% sure who wrote the psalm. But look at the first verse. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. Who built it? Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, sit up late, to eat bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. I love this. I just love this verse. I really do. It's it's Exciting to me. Solomon understood that the work of man had its place, but it was little without the work and blessing of the Lord. Without God's work and blessing, they who build it labor in vain. And it's no coincidence that I had already had this written. I already had it in my notes, already had it written down, already had studied it. And I was coming over here, and on Hope FM was Harry Presley from um, uh, South Jersey in Deptford, And he was talking about this. And he was saying, Lord, can't I just have a hammer? Just give me a hammer, Lord. Let me me hammer one nail. But Lord is saying, trust in me. I got this. Let me build it. And then I started thinking, we apply it to our church here because that's why it's on the whiteboard. But it doesn't apply only to church. It applies to your family as well. I mean, the rest of the psalm talked about children, didn't it? Talked about families. It applies to your families. Can you save any one of your children? I don't think so. Can you make your children live the life that you want them to live? I don't think so. Can the Lord save your children? Can the Lord get your children to live the life they're supposed to live? Absolutely. You are assured.
This has been another edition of A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave. Thanks for tuning in. Throughout the book of 1 Kings, we read about rulers who had victories and rulers who failed miserably. King Solomon, known as the wisest king, made his own fair share of mistakes in his life. In fact, in his later years, he began to put his faith in wealth and women rather than wisdom of the Lord. How often do we do that? How often do we put our faith in the worldly things rather than in the Word of God? If you have some questions about what you heard today, we'd be happy to try to answer these questions or pray with you about what's weighing on your heart. Please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. Keep looking to Scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope today. You can hear more messages like this one from Pastor Dave at our website. Just click on the Messages tab when you visit AssureHopeRadio.com. We'd love to meet you, too. Each Sunday, we gather at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m., and you can find directions and more about Calvary Chapel Cape May by visiting AssureHopeRadio.com. You'll also find us on Facebook and YouTube. Links for both are at AssureHopeRadio.com. There's more to learn from the Book of 1 Kings next time, so be sure to join us again right here on Assure Hope.